You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so uh, this is a little portion of the letter of Philippians that Paul, um, one of the founders of the, of the church and a church planter would start churches all around the Roman Empire, uh, writes a letter to the Philippians. And near the end of the letter, he writes this little bit about prayer. And we're just going to go through it kind of phrase by phrase and see if there's a few things that might stick out to you that God might want to say to you. The Lord is near. Uh, this is easily passed by, but I just, I think that this has some, this, this, this uh, paragraph has some, especially the first one, has some really important things to say to us about prayer. And the first is that Paul starts with this kind of obvious phrase, the Lord is near. And everything else kind of hinges on this point. Um, I th- often we start with prayer. We talked about it last week. Like, uh, I don't know if I want to pray because is God listening anyway? I mean, and how am I supposed to know? And it feels kind of pointless. And um, the truth of prayer, which we may not experience yet, is that if we follow Jesus, that God is living within us. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in me and is living in me. And so, in fact, you've probably heard it before, but the truth that Paul is assuming is that God is extremely close to us. He couldn't be closer. The realization of that, my living in that, is what's necessary uh, for me to experience it. But it doesn't make it any less true that he's living within me. The key truth of prayer is really quite simple. And that starts with the fact that we believe, that you believe, that Jesus is near. This is why prayer matters or makes sense. is because I'm not, when I'm praying, I'm not trying to somehow reach God somewhere. But I'm communicating with a presence that lives inside of me. The key truth of prayer and the key truth of the passage is that the Lord is near. Now, if you get nothing else, I think this actually sounds like some kind of like Zen thing, uh, like as if you just believe this, everything will go well. But I think it's true that if you just actually believe and walk in and start to practice, the Lord is actually near to me. It would change the way that we prayed. It's a revelation, it's a realization, it's a belief, and it's the starting point of prayer. And it's actually the substance of what it means to pray long-term, is to realize again and again that the Lord is near. So first, prayer is simply awareness. I'm going to talk about prayer a little differently today, just to kind of try to talk about it from a different side. But prayer is simply being aware. So first, I just want to break down the idea that prayer has to look a certain way. Um, uh, So I'm not even talking about talking and I'm not even talking about sitting, and I'm not even talking about words, and I'm actually not even talking about listening. I'm just talking about being aware that God is near you. So this is a way to pray. All these things are ways to pray. To live a life of prayer is to live a life in which I am, I am very aware that God is near to me. Remember, Paul says elsewhere that we should pray at all times. We should never cease to be praying which sounds quite difficult, but if prayer is awareness, 
then I could begin to live in a rhythm of prayer all the time. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Next he says, do not be anxious about anything. And so he begins to talk about prayer, and this is what he says. The Lord is, is near, truth. Therefore, I guess, don't be anxious about anything. The word anxiety in, the, in Philippians, in the Greek, means to, uh, to like be divided within oneself, to be split up into pieces, uh, which maybe if you've experienced anxiety, you might feel a little bit like that, that you're just kind of torn up into parts and you're not put together and you can't, can't kind of handle things. Uh, do not be anxious is a command. I mean, Paul is commanding us, don't be anxious. Do not do it. But uh, that can be frustrating for somebody who struggles with anxiety, and I've spent many times, many times, much time, struggling with anxiety. It doesn't make much sense to just tell me not to be anxious. But what's good news about it is just assume for a second that if he's saying it, that it's possible. That it's possible to not be anxious. And, and in this little part, I don't want to downplay anxiety if you struggle with anxiety or if you know somebody that does and overly simplify it that if you just listen to this, you'll be fine. Uh, but I don't want to move past the fact that Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. I have dot, 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 but it's a comma. Uh, but it, it holds by itself like that. Don't be anxious about anything, which means Paul thinks it's possible not to be anxious at all. Jesus was never anxious. The rest of the passage begins to tell us how not to be anxious. So a thing about prayer, and this is uh, important to catch, Paul's thing about prayer, he makes it immediately also about how not to be anxious. So I'm talking about prayer, but I'm also talking this whole time about not how, how not to be anxious. Um... Paul is saying that prayer is an antidote. Whatever prayer is, and I don't know that we're going to get to the, to the conclusion today, yesterday, last week, or today, uh, but whatever prayer is, if you did it, if you do it, you won't be anxious, or you might not be anxious, or at least prayer itself, if you're doing it, is an antidote to anxiety. I've been thinking a lot over the past long while about why we don't pray, because I've been asking myself why I don't pray. And, um, and, I, and I wonder, I mean, some of us pray... Be, and, I mean, many of us maybe pray, and some of us love to pray because maybe it's our thing or we really connect with that or it's a gifting that we have. But in, in general, I find that my experience, and I think many people that follow Jesus, don't have an extremely rich prayer life. And it's difficult. It's boring and it's uh, confusing. And it's, it is a discipline, but it rarely moves beyond that for most people, I think, especially alone. Maybe you go to like an intercession night on Wednesday or something, and it's a bit easier because you're in the room and people are praying. But, but on your own, uh, outside of a practice, which is not bad to wake up in the morning and spend some time in prayer, which is, which is not bad. But for it to be a passion that you just you want to pray. Not, and we'll get into more of that. But that, that's it, that you just love that and you want to pray. And um, Paul begins this thing by saying, don't, uh, realize that the Lord is near and don't be anxious about anything. And what he's going to say after this, he's going to tell us to pray. And I think it's because um, I have not often experienced or thought or believed that prayer is positive for me. Like it's, like it's uh, this is hard to talk about, but it's, it's like, it's super beneficial. And I, when I experience it, I love it. 
Paul keeps going. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So the Lord is near. Know that. If you just do that, that's good. You're praying. Become aware of God being close to you in every moment throughout the day. Realize, don't be anxious about anything, and it assumes the minute that you're anxious, instead of being anxious, instead of being divided within yourself, in every situation, okay, so aware of God at all times, in all places, and then every situation that I'm in, by prayer, so there's this thing called prayer, and petition, there's this thing called petition, which is a type of prayer, with thanksgiving, so with, with gratitude, present your requests to God. First, what's the difference between prayer and petition? I don't know why he does that. He could just say, but in every situation, by praying, but make sure you say thank you, present your requests to God. Prayer is, if, if this is what he means, and it's an interpretation, it's hard to understand exactly what he means. The word prayer literally means uh, to make requests, or it means to, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, to exchange a wish. Uh, in a literal sense. We don't usually think about it like that. But to pray means that I have a wish, a wish, a desire, and I'm going to not give it, but exchange it. Meaning, if I come to God and I have a wish, a desire, a a request, what prayer literally means is I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to receive something in return. What I will receive in return, Paul tells us in a few minutes, but what the word prayer means is that if I'm giving God my wish, I will receive his wish. That's what prayer literally means. Now, petition is, is that specific aspect of prayer in which I'm asking God for something, okay? Uh, which is a, is a part of prayer. Prayer as just a word, as, a catch, as, a, as like a catchphrase, means communication. It means relationship with God. Prayer is mostly this not petition, okay? Petition off to the side for a second. We're not going to ask God for anything. Prayer in and of itself is a a posture of my heart directed toward God, okay? This is how I can be aware of God at all times is it's my my heart, which is the center of who I am. It's my identity. It's not just my organ, is is directed toward God no matter what I'm doing, okay? And I'm in humility, in in, in that I I need, it's 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 a posture of saying, I need you, God. I want to live in relationship with you. I don't want to live independently, and it's a, it's a practice that you do, but it's a lifestyle of posture, postured heart to God. It's, and this is how you're able to, over time, stay in his presence, remain mindful of him, remain aware of him. And mostly, and it's apt that it's Father's Day, mostly, and Jesus teaches us this with what Angelica spoke on last week in what's called the Lord's Prayer when he starts with, O Father, mostly what that general way of praying is, is to remain in connection with the Father allowing him to be a father to you. This is very different than saying Father, praying words or technique, and believing simply that God is Father, but real prayer. This is what I mean that's hard to talk about because there are, I mean, we're, I find church kind of funny actually more and more because I'm standing up talking about God. It's just like if you, if you, divorce, if you, if you remove yourself from a moment of being used to things like this, it's, it's, it's quite odd. Prayer, then, is very odd. I'm talking about how to talk with God in a sense that he can hear you and speak back. And I'm not the best person at this anyway. But prayer is communication with God that allows God to be a father to you. So, how, so I mean, to pray, to say I am praying is to say deeply that I am living in relationship with God 
being a child of his. Being a child of his. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul also read it. He said this. He's quoting a psalm. I will be a father to you. This is God speaking. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. It's easy to pass by. I will be a father to you. Not I am your father, like an idea. God is a father. I will be a father to you. I will father you. I will. So how do you live in that relationship? Petition means to present requests to God. Okay, he says it. Petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So really saying, petition God with thanksgiving and give your request to him. Often, the reason I want to skip by that quickly, but Paul says it, is I think there's often the way we think about prayer anyway, that I am giving God my requests. Uh, But it's not bad. It says that we can do that. But often I think when we're making requests, this is not about everybody. It may be more about me than anyone else. When we're making requests, either all we do is make requests or we, we think we're making a request, but it's not even a request. We pray like, if you were to come to me and you ask me for like a cup of coffee, you would try to make it clear, like, Michael, could you get me a cup of coffee, please? And you would wait. <laughs> and I would get you a cup of coffee. Often, the way we would ask God for a cup of coffee is, Father, if you would be so kind, would you possibly find a way to bring a coffee into my presence? if you would, and then I'm going to keep talking about it for 10 minutes, and then we'll say amen, and I'll totally forget about the coffee. See, we're not, like, if, if you came to me, it's because you trust that I can do it. Well, I'm say yes or no, right? No, I can't do that, sorry. Or yes, but I'm going to do it for you. I think, and I'm not singling anybody out, I do, we all do this. I'm not sure that we really believe that what we're asking will happen or could happen. Otherwise, our prayers would sound pretty straightforward sometimes, you know? It says this in uh, James chapter 4. I don't recommend you read James unless you're willing to read it. I don't know. Uh, Because this is a pretty light part of James. You do not have because you do not ask God. I just love how straightforward he is. Oh, you don't have things. The thing you need. You don't have it because you don't ask for it. What do you mean? I ask for all kinds of things. Well, maybe I didn't ask. And when you ask, to make it worse, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own desires, pleasures. He uses that word. So, so I don't receive because I don't ask. And then when I do ask, I don't receive because I ask with a motive that's selfish. So he's telling us how, how petition works. So if you want petition to work as a technique, you should ask and believe. He said elsewhere, I mean, again, did I read that? Again and again, I mean, throughout the scriptures, Jesus says it, his disciples say it about what he said, that if you believe in your heart, if you ask for something and you believe, you will receive it. I don't even like that stuff. <laughs> but he says it again and again and again. And so James says, you don't receive because you haven't really asked. And then when you did ask or when you do ask, you do it from selfish reasons. And God's a good father. And if he's going to be a father to you, he's not going to give you something that's not good for you. So that's petition. With thanksgiving, petitionary prayers, asking God for things, should already be prayers that are soaked in gratitude. Uh, thanksgiving. But I mean real gratitude. Not like, not like uh, you know, when I read it, sometimes I'm like, okay, so, I don't like the prayers technique stuff, so, okay, so, when I sit down to pray, okay, 
Lord, you're near me. Not anxious. I'm in a situation. Prayer, not sure. Petition, okay, I have something to ask. Okay, start. Thank you, God. Thank you for blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I'm going to ask you for my thing. It's not a technique. It means that real petition, what petition is, is, is soaked in gratitude. Which, you know, you see what he's doing? You're already so thankful for things that you've already, you're moving to a place of not needing what you're asking. Right? It's the motive thing. It's you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. A person that's, that, that is, has gratitude deeply is making requests because they need things. But I'm, I'm almost going to say they're not sure that they need them. Meaning, they need them. They're probably, they might be very serious, important things. But they're, they're, they're so overwhelmed, overwhelmed with gratitude that it just changes the petition, changes the ask. So I want to challenge us on this little point to pray prayers of faith, simple prayers. Request like if you asked a parent that was good and perfect for something that you knew they could give and trust that they'll deliver somehow. They're going to answer. And we need to pray. Prayer is not a technique. It's not a responsibility. This is it. Prayer is a command, but it's not a command as in do it because I said to do it. Prayer is a command like I t- we talked about, about something else a few weeks ago, which is a command as in it's, it's what human beings do. If you want to be fully yourself, fully alive, fully at peace, this is what's coming, then pray. Learn to pray. I'm not gonna, no one can teach us how to pray in a 25-minute thing or whatever it is. You're going to have to learn to pray. It takes place over a lifetime. Pray. If you were to pray, your life would change. That's all we're talking about, by the way. To follow Jesus is to pray. It's not a part of life. It's if, I mean, there is really, I would say, like almost no such thing, even for me of a relationship with God of which there is not prayer. So it's a posture of the heart. It's necessary for living a full life. It's a detox for us. It's, a, it's detox. So we talked about detox, which I could, we'll talk about again. We talked about that in January, the idea that we need to constantly be detoxed and God's detoxing us. Prayer is a detox from anxiety, from selfishness. But it's also like a fuel. If we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus' life can be looked at as a series of of doing things, of which he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I only can do, I can't do anything on my own. I can only do what I see the Father doing. And he looks for places to escape from crowds of people and go off and spend all night on the side of a mountain praying, whatever that, what does it mean that Jesus is praying? Does it mean he's making petition to God? Does it mean he's living as a son to a father? Which is, I guess, the main point I want you to get. He's living as a son to a father constantly, of which at times he makes petitions with gratitude and he receives things from them. And this is what I want to like, challenge. Pray and expect it will happen. Pay more attention to your motive and to gratitude than to the thing you're asking for. If you're not receiving it, ask yourself, what are my motives? Have I actually asked? Why do I need this? Am I grateful without it? Prayer is a posture of the heart. Then he says this. So do that. And this is what will happen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, prayer, this is the exchange thing I meant, right? So what does Paul say? Paul says, prayer is an exchange of wishes and literally give God, what? Give God anxiety. 
This is how he starts. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. In every situation, could be an anxiety-inducing situation. Instead, give God your anxiety. And what will happen is, as you enter into this relationship of prayer, what will happen, clearly, without a doubt, he says, the peace of God, which, what is the peace of God? It's something that transcends understanding. So I guess I can't talk about it. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so we can bring, this is what prayer is. So prayer is a posture of the heart to God, living as a child to him, being fathered by him. Prayer is an exchange. Prayer is this place where I take everything I have. See, it's not just requests, right? Prayer is a place where I take what things I have, negative things, and I bring them to God. So what does it mean? I mean? What does it mean for me to pray then? What does it mean when I say, oh, wow. how is my life of prayer is to take things in my life and give them to him and for me to receive peace back? I love this because uh, Paul, if you read the scripture before we started, he, he doesn't say God's going to answer your prayer, but he will. But he doesn't say that. The only thing he says is pray, make petition, do this, and what will happen for sure? He will answer your prayer by giving you peace. So what is prayer about? I mean, what is the point of prayer? It, it looks like what Paul thinks is that people are highly anxious. Everyone. Highly anxious. Tons of issues. All of us. Prayer is not an oblig- a, a religious obligation. It's an opportunity to find something called peace which means it's going to look maybe different than, than what we might think of as prayer and only making requests. When our problems, our stresses, our worries come into contact with God, apparently they cease to be anxiety-inducing. We're not trying to solve problems. So, so prayer is something beyond problem-solving. It's not bad to solve problems, but but prayer is something beyond that because what he says is that I'll give you something called peace that when you can't deal with something, when, when you can't understand, when you can't fix a problem by understanding, then what you should do is you should pray. And you'll get something beyond understanding. Peace is not something that just feels good. What he says peace is, is it's something that guards hearts and minds. So why, what, who needs this kind of peace? The person that needs this kind of peace is a person that needs protection from something. And uh, for Paul, Paul's a person that is constantly in harm and is constantly around people that are dangerous and are con- is constantly in dangerous situations. And so for him, p- prayer means something specific. I mean, he's writing this from a prison cell. So the peace of God from within my prison cell that prayer is, I mean, think about that for a second. In my prison cell, I have something which is peace beyond understanding. It's above this situation and this circumstance, and I'm telling you that you can have it too. It will transcend all understanding, and it will guard your heart and your mind so that you can be in a very difficult situation, but unmoved like Jesus. Paul says that he has access to the same thing Jesus had, which we have access to the same thing as well. So, it's, it's for you. I mean, the peace of God is for me and it's for you if we will have it and if we will just... I'll, I'll talk about what to do at the very end. Quite simple, but 
I want to challenge us also to put ourselves in difficult situations. The people that are on mission, if we use that word, or are, are giving up selfishness and are saying, I want my life to be spent on behalf of others, on behalf of the world. If I give myself to that, then I'm going to need something called peace. I'm going to need peace beyond understanding. I'm going to need my heart and my mind guarded. The only sure thing about prayer here is that prayer will give you peace, of which I think we all need. So prayer is in exchange. And then the last little part, we'll do it at once. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul said, remember he's talking about prayer, okay? The Lord is near, do not be anxious. Here's prayer. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's talking about peace, how to get peace, and he's talking about prayer in general. Then he begins talking about gratitude and petition, and it's a posture of the heart, and it will give you peace, and that peace will be an understanding. This is still within the realm of talking about prayer, just to broaden what prayer means at the very end. He says, so, praying at all times, think about this. Meditate, consider in your mind Anything that is noble, anything that is right, anything that is pure, anything that is lovely, anything that is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Another form of prayer. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen me, put it into practice, another form of prayer. We're challenged to broaden the scope of prayer. We're we're challenged to meditate on things, to think about things all the time. So remember, I'm living in relationship to God, being fathered by him, thinking about things that are positive, that are of God. And then what can I put into practice? This is a type of prayer, right? I'm, I'm, I'm broadening prayer so that prayer is everything to do with my life at all times and in all places. I can pray with petition. I can pray with my words. I can pray by listening. I can pray by being silent. I can pray by thinking. I can pray by doing. This is a quote by, by Henry Nouwen. Prayer is broad and it's active. Henry Nouwen says, To pray, I think, does not mean to think about God in in contrast to thinking about other things. This is why prayer is hard. It's hard to pray because I gotta like shut out everything else and I gotta like think about God for a minute. Or just to spend time with God instead of spending time with people. By the way, that might be part of what prayer means. Rather, what prayer means is it means thinking and living in the presence of God at all times. It sounds complicated, I think. How do you really do this? But I I think it's extremely simple, is that you just need to do it. Prayer is not a technique. It's not an obligation. It's not an incantation. It's nothing magic. It's an awareness that God is near you. If this is all you get today, just get that point. I mean, for the next week, how could you try to be aware that God is near to you at all times? If you follow Jesus, that's the first step, by the way. If you don't follow Jesus, then, then God is here. But it, Jesus says that you can't find him. You can't access him. You can't hear him unless you come through him, Jesus. So this is the first step, is to choose to follow Jesus. After this, the truth is that he's always near you. It's believing it, living in it. It's a posture of dependence and relationship toward God. It's love toward God, and it's an antidote to anxiety. God is not uh, uptight about your anxiety. 
he exists to calm your anxiety. And it's an exchange of something. It's an exchange of our problems for his peace, and that's a peace that transcends understanding. You'll, I mean, what I mean by this is you probably just feel better. This is what I was thinking about prayer for myself is um, th- there is a growing, and I have no problem with this, a growing uh, um, practice of meditation, like secular meditation, not just a religious meditation, if you've ever meditated, but just a secular meditation, breathing exercises and, and waiting and, and, and calming down and focusing on uh, you know, your surroundings. Why do people like that? is because it brings a level of peace, and people need peace. So why don't we like prayer? Because the promise of prayer is I will gain peace itself beyond understanding. And so I've been considering this. I think uh, we're just not sure what prayer is. We've made it something that it's not. Prayer is good for us. Prayer is, I mean, almost a coping mechanism, except it's going to destroy anxiety over time. Prayer we should want, prayer we need, actually, and prayer people around us need. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.